Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chelsea Spot podcast. Today I am joined as usual these days by my good mate Parth. How are you doing? I'm doing great mate, how are you? I'm good thanks. Yeah, really looking forward to this episode because we are joined by a very special guest. Works for Chelsea TV, Premier League, very reputable journalist. Thanks so much for joining us Will, Will Dalton. Welcome to the pod. Great to be here guys, how are we doing? Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah, really looking forward to this one. I'm going to pass over to you, Path, for the start. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say something. Um, last week, um, Will did an episode with Simon and Dan, uh, two of our well, two of uh, our good friends at the Chelsea Spot. Um, a lot of our listeners will actually be the same because Simon's done like five or six episodes on um, on our podcast. So we did listen to it. We, we're going to try not to answer Sorry, I asked the same questions, but if, if the answers are the same, uh, I apologise already from the beginning. Um, but yeah, I'll pass it back to Orlando to get ahead with it. Yeah, so to get into it, um, we have spoken to a few journalists on the pod um, already, guys like Liam Toomey, Alison Bender. Um, and it's always really interesting, but they always, whenever we ask them the question, how did you get into it? They always say, oh... I think mine was a little bit different to the usual route. And every time I ask a journalist that, they say, oh, my route was different to the typical one. So I kind of get the vibe that there's not really a, a typical route. So I wanted to ask you what yours was. Yeah, uh, well, I suppose I can give the in- international version. Um, <laughs> my route was I grew up playing football um, from probably about seven. And all I ever wanted to do was play football. Um, as a kid, I played like you wouldn't believe if I could just get my hands on a football. I played everywhere and anywhere. I wasn't bad. I was a half-decent player. Uh, played all the way up through schoolboy level in Ireland. And unfortunately, back in those days, it wasn't the days of YouTube or anything else like that. Not to, to say that would have made a difference, but you really had to be in the right place at the right time um, to be seen by somebody. And then even still... You then had to be lucky enough to be given a trial. You then had to essentially leave your family, go across mm. to a foreign country, try and settle, um, make it through an academy system with no friends. And when I say no friends, you, you would most mostly be on your own. The odd time two players from a team would be taken or whatever. But it was a massive big thing for, for a kid, and it never quite happened for me. So, you know, even when I was 16, I was still kind of holding out hope that all of a sudden, you know, I was going to get a call from, uh, you know, Jean-Luc Vialli or Ruud Hull or whoever was in charge at the time. And I remember when Ruud Hull came in, I think he was sacked. I was gutted because I was like, I'm never going to get to train with him. Oh, my God. Now, you know, looking back now, is so, so stupid that, you know, you're kind of as you're getting towards that age, you, you want to be in the system over over in the UK. Um but as those sort of dreams faded, uh, then it, it kind of turned to, right, what, what am I going to do with my life? Um, and sports overall, not just football, but a huge range of sports. I would watch anything sports-wise on TV from, you know, I love athletics to golf, uh, even to cricket and tennis, a whole range of sports, F1. 
So I had a, a very good guidance counselor in school, luckily enough, because I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. And I remember she took me in for an interview and kind of said, right, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I have no idea. And she said, well, you know, um, I had just actually gone and started going to a new school. And she said to me, you know, well, let's forget about that. Um, she said, uh, how are you finding the new school? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I said, I have to get up a bit earlier to come in here. And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I used to get up at, you know, 10 past eight, roll out of bed and roll down to my local school. And now I'm in here. It's a bit different. I'm up at half six. There's a lot of traffic. And she was like, oh, right. So, so you like sleeping? And I said, well, no, just, you know. And she turned around and she said to me, um, you know, if, uh, if I was to say to you for the next uh, six months, every single day of the week, uh, you were going to be getting up at half four and working for 12 or 14 hours a day. And she said, never mind even working, but getting up at that time to do one thing in the world, what would you do? And I said, well, play football. And she said, okay, you're, you're what was I, 16, 17 at that stage. I don't think it's going to quite happen for you, which I found a bit harsh. But I was like, <laughs> okay, fine. And she said, well, what about talking about football? What about writing about it and um, broadcasting and stuff? And I thought, yeah. And she said, you already have the knowledge there because you've grown up in it. She said, you watching football is almost like somebody else studying for their career and getting background knowledge. Um, she said, that's, that's, that's your speciality. So then I ended up going to university, I did a degree uh, in something completely different. She told me not to go and do journalism because she said, apologies for anybody who has a journalism degree. She said, journalism is a waste of time. She said, all you need to do is go and study something that gives you a speciality. She said, you, you're in sports, so your speciality will be sport. But take something you enjoy studying. And I loved history. So I did history for three years. And during my time, she said to me, go and get work experience, get work experience wherever you can. So in my first year in university, even beforehand, I got a week's work experience in the National Broadcaster, RTE, which is the equivalent to BBC. Um, I then started, there was a, a university radio station. I'd start working at that for free. I wrote off to every radio station in Ireland to try and get work experience. And one happened to produce a sports show on the weekend, a bit like Five Live. And they asked me, would I come in and do a Saturday afternoon for four hours? I got a few quid for it. But it was basically working on, you know, live football in the afternoon, which I would have been listening to anyway. So that was the start. And then it was just work wherever you can for free. Build up your CV, get as many experiences and companies on your CV. And then all of a sudden, a job will come out of somewhere because you've made contacts with people. If you're hardworking, if you're motivated, if you know your sport uh, and you're not just a you know, a blackguard trying to get your way in with nothing mm. behind you, then there will be an opportunity will come up somewhere. And sometimes it's a bigger opportunity than you first think. Maybe it'll be a smaller one, but you just have to go with it. You have to kind of believe in yourself, take the step, close your eyes and go for it. Um, and I did that in Ireland for a few years. I then went traveling a bit, saw a little bit of the world, came back and decided to move to London. And again, it was contacts, literally a friend who I'd worked with in Ireland said to me, well, my friend in the UK is starting up a sports station and he needs, he needs staff. Would you be interested? And that was Satanta Sports News. That was back in 2008. And I lived in London for over a decade then. And uh, yeah, then it, it just kind of snowballed and all of a sudden these opportunities come up and Chelsea TV was another opportunity which came out of losing my job at Satanta when the company went under. So, you know, one door closes and another opens.
Yeah, that's a really interesting story. And it sort of sounds similar to what me and Orlando are doing, I guess. We we both live and breathe football. We're both doing we're both writing articles, we're both doing podcasts. It's just a lot of free work which we enjoy. Now it may not be necessarily something we go into later on in life, but you know, it's something which we enjoy doing and we would be watching the games anyway. We're gonna be talking about the games on Twitter, we're gonna be tweeting about it. So why mm-hmm. not just write an article? Why not just speak about it in a podcast? And you never know what's gonna happen in the future. Um, but yeah, one thing you mentioned was uh, interviews and the first interview I did was, for me a big one, was about last year was with Mason Mount's dad, um, who's a really nice guy and I, that was probably the most nervous I've been in my life after my French oral speaking exam but, um, <laughs> but after, after that, that was probably the most nervous and I thought before I had loads of questions, um, before I knew it, it was a t- 15 minute interview when I had an hour with him a 15 minute interview and afterwards I felt like oh I should have done so much more with that how was your first interview were you well with someone famous uh, with a footballer something like that uh, were you nervous uh, is there a story behind that well there's two ones I can give you there so I can give you my first first interview pretty much um, which was a non-sports related one was with a person called Nancy Cartwright not sure if you know who Nancy Cartwright is. Mm. Bart Simpson. Really? Yeah, it was Nancy Cartwright. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, ah. it was Nancy Cartwright, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So I was in <laughs> wow. doing uh, our university radio station, and um, she was brought over by one of the societies in the university to uh, do a talk. Uh, you know for whatever she was in Dublin promoting something or other so I managed to get five minutes with her uh, so that was quite nervous and Nancy's a, a lovely woman but just not who you would picture Bart Simpson as <laughs> so uh, yeah that was pretty cool it was a really nice easy interview she was really cool and I got her to say my name in Bart Simpson's voice which when you hear the voice coming out of this woman is just it's, it's weird. It kind of blows your mind a bit. So that was really cool. Um, the first sports one I did uh, was I was th- thrown into it last minute, essentially, because there was nobody else in Dublin. And this is what I'm saying to you about opportunities coming up. There was a um, the radio station I worked in. There was a, a big summer party and all the staff were flown to the headquarters of, of where the summer party was. So there was a skeleton staff left in the company. And it happened to be the weekend. Oh, I think it was around, I want to say May. And uh, around then, and the World Cup in, oh God, where was I? I think it was Germany was coming up. Mm. So who was in town to promote his book? Only Pele. So I got a phone call from the bus, the boss, and I think he quite begrudgingly, he he said to me, do you want to interview Pele? And I was like, "Uh, yeah. (laughs) So I had done a few press conferences and stuff like that before. But this was the first real proper one-to-one interview. So I went to, I had to go to um, O'Connell Street in Dublin, which would be very similar to Oxford Street. And there's a big bookstore in Ireland, again, very similar to W.I. Smith called Eason's. Um, And upstairs in in Eason's, in the manager's office, there was me. There was a guy from the national broadcaster. And I think one guy from another radio station, the three of us, um, in this room. A small office with about a hundred people, and Pele. 
So the room you can imagine was rammed um, tight. Um, the press officer or Pele's agent or whatever was with him, his handler was with him, and he was very quite abrupt and quite, you there, you there. Uh, and uh, I remember I was there, and obviously I was with two guys from, from as I said, the TV station, another radio station, and they were much more senior than me. And we came in, and he's like, right, right, we need to get this going, we need to get this going, everybody, right, sit down, sit down, sit down. And um, he goes, right, we're, go we're going to get uh, you from today FM first. I was like, great, great. And then Pele just went, Tony, relax. And he just pointed at me and went, uh, go ahead. What's your first question? <laughs> and I got three questions with him, um, one of which became a bit of a news line. I can't remember what I asked him. It's something I think he, he said about he, he thought England had a great chance to win the World Cup. Um, and yeah, so it was, you, you know, you have those moments where you, you, you get thrown in to the lion's den a bit and it's a bit sink or swim. But you just go with it and, you know, you've been put there for a reason. You, you've earned that opportunity. Sometimes it comes a bit sooner than you, you know, because I'm sure if you ask most sports journalists in the world, you know, Pele would be up there. Maradona would be up there of, of people to interview. Um, and that was my first interview was Pele. So uh, an incredible day and one that you it almost gives you confidence as well, because, you know, going forward, no matter who you come up with against then, it's like, well, are you bigger than Pele? No. <laughs> So does, you know, does that not make the others a little anticlimactic? Um, you get to the point where after you do so many interviews, there there is no real nerves. Um, mm. You know, you kind of it's almost like a challenge. Then be, you you go on to the next level of of approaching an interview because I love doing interviews because it's. I'm not the style of journalist who's looking to trip up somebody and make them say something they don't want to. Mm. But my style is of, of building a rapport with somebody, showing them I'm not there to trip them up. And it's, I want to know you. I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your story. I want to get to know what we're talking about and that you feel comfortable in what we're talking about. And if you can do that trick, you'll see much better interviews from people because they're being themselves. You want them to feel like they're talking to a friend rather than this is a formal business thing because that's that's not what an interview is about it's about you know learning a little bit about the person and then being able to show off their personality um so yeah there's i think there's not too many other people that i've interviewed or met that have kind of i'm not saying eclipse that but you know pele had an aura around him he had a weird um just effect even on the room that he, he was in there's few people now I've met. Beckham is one of them who has that same similar aura just of a calmness, a serenity around him, which is, is like on a, on a weird another level. Uh, you don't get that off too many players. And it's a, as you just go along, then it's kind of like, ah, you're another player. And I think then when you're relaxed, they're more relaxed too. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Pele is a first, um, first interview. That's not bad. I compare that to Mason Mount's dad, no disrespect, but that's quite good. <laughs> hey, um, we don't know where Mason's going to end up, so you never know. Oh, I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, something I wanted to ask was, um, so you've worked for Chelsea TV, and the thing which fans love, which I'm sure journalists love as well, is transfer news. And this journalists is... hate it. Come on, journalists don't love transfer news. <laughs> well, it depends if you're for Victor Romano or not. Um, but I'm sure, well, most fans love it. They love a bit of gossip. Um, 
I just want to know when working for Chelsea TV, do you do you find out anything before? Do you like do you do you see? Well, no, not really. Of... Not not through the kind of the uh, the main. I want to say channels. I mean, of being in there, working in there, you mm. don't really find out an awful lot of of things. To the point of the club is, in fairness to them, very good at uh, keeping their business business and mm. yeah. You know, we saw in the summer how transfers were done and they were done. Now, I know obviously this year, you know, with team on stuff, it took a while when we said to get across the line. But essentially those transfers were done. It was just COVID. It was holding people up, you know, um, transport wise and stuff like that. So um, there's always been that sort of sense. Overall, it's been very good from that way. When it comes to transfer news, it's more that, you know, I learned... A great lesson when I was a young journalist about nothing ever being black and white, as in everybody has an agenda, everybody has a viewpoint. So, you know, when we when we see things in the papers from players or from sources and different stuff like that, some uh, publications are, are well known for just basically lying. <laughs> and yeah. just put it, yeah. putting things up and you you know you can say what you want because it sells papers as you said you know now there are some very good journalists out there who've got very good sources um they do they do have links into into various uh, channels to kind of get various pieces of news so um it's uh it is kind of we, we didn't find out too much about that beat um when we were working at Chelsea TV, it's more about when you kind of meet personal, you know, when you have a personal relationship with players or people from around the club that you would get hints of different things happening. But again, when you're working for the club too, you have to be very professional and it's your job not to kind of, you know, spill those sort of things. And then as well, sometimes as well, not from, from club contacts. And so when we look and we talk about agents and sources and different things like that, the agents, he may have no intention of, of getting that player to move on. It, it could be all about, you know, um, right, he wants a new contract. And by saying, you know, he, he's, he's, he, he thinks his time is done at this club or whatever, it's, it's basically given the club kind of either, one, uh, an opportunity to sell the player, or two, right, we, we need to get him under a new contract. So there's always kind of people have, their reasons for for you know certain um, links that we hear to players and you know we, we can take various agents and see the things they say in the papers that are attributed to them. Um, you know we look at Paul Pogba's situation is almost like a daily update on on Paul mm. Pogba's mood, yeah. um, which I find incredible uh, and is not very good for a team's balance. I don't think at all, and we can see that from Manchester United. And unfortunately for him, I. You know, he, he's such, he could be such a great player and hasn't reached the potential. But to go back to your original thing, yeah, you, sometimes you do get little insights, but things can happen so quick nowadays. And um, sometimes it's, it's, it's nice just to sit back and watch it happen. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask, how, do you, how, how does a reporter build a relationship with an agent or with a source? How do they know that the agent's not wanting to, them to put it in the media so that they do a contract? Like, how do they build that trust? Well, it, it's about anything. It's, it's, it's almost like, you know, if you become friends with somebody, uh, you know, taken out of the footballing world, it's, it's like building a relationship with them of, of trust, 
whether it's, you know, something to do with a girlfriend or a nice out or exam help or um, anything like that. So you kind of have to, you get to know people and it depends on how your relationship goes where, you know, you become genuine friends with the person and you would see them outside of work. And then you just have to uh, kind of, I suppose, use your own nose. And the thing is, too, you will you will make mistakes um, with certain people uh, in different ways of trusting them in certain ways. Um, and that's just something you kind of learn along the way. You won't won't always make the right decision when it comes to sources and different things like this. Um, I suppose the all the, the you know the the thing to think about all the time is always be a little bit wary. You know, is, mm. is there a reason that somebody kind of wants me to put this out there? Uh, and you know, I've always been obviously with where I've worked and stuff. I've always had to be very careful. For instance, on social media, um, because you know you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Um, so unless you can back something up and something is allowed to be said and, you know, you check your sources and all that sort of stuff, uh, that's kind of when you go with it. But again, that's something you learn, I suppose, along the road. So we're going to move on to football now. Um, obviously Chelsea with a great result against West Ham last night after losing to Everton and Wolves. So just wanted to get your your overall thoughts on the game. Uh, this is the first podcast we're doing since since the game, so yeah, let's kind of treat this like a bit of a, a review. Yeah, uh, very very happy. Um, kind of again, logic would suggest that this was the way it was going to go. Um, I knew the lads would be up for the West Ham game, especially because what Frank would have instilled into them with um, you know the, the London derby, and obviously a lot of them have played in London derbies before and West Ham is a particular match we all like to win as Chelsea fans um, I think we started off with good energy um, bar the Declan Rice moments where we all thought damn he scored <laughs> things could have gone a bit different but Thiago leads that team now from the front and we have a leader in there which is really good to see uh, got the goal and then again I was pretty sure we were going to be nervous and that's kind of how it turned out um and we were up until the right substitution was made we found a mojo again and then uh it clicked we got the goals and you could already see the confidence coming back into the players so really happy uh the next thing and i know it's kind of always said but the next thing is to make it two wins from two is yeah. to take it to the next game and build on that. And then I think you will see another little run coming uh, shortly if we're able to get the full points in the next game. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's really well said. So um, something which Lampard and Carragher were discussing on yet last night, uh, Monday Night Football, was just how there will be ups and downs in the season for every single club. Like, I don't think anyone would have predicted Liverpool to be drawn to Fulham. And it happened. So they lost seven two well, to Aston Villa. Exactly. You, you. I think this season's going to be like a, a really different season. One because mm. of COVID, no fans. There's loads of different factors into that. Um, but two players who did play really well last night was uh, Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham. 
um, two, I think, well, yeah, two of our youth players, two uh, of our academy guys, they're one of us. How exciting is it to see these guys get their opportunity and take it? You think, and that's including these two, James, uh, Reese James, sorry, uh, Hudson Adoy, Tomori last season. You know, it's a breath of fresh air, isn't it? Oh, completely. Listen, and it goes back to like, you know, when I first moved to London, I didn't know very many people. And, you know, I was working. I was working nights. Uh, I would have seven nights on, seven off. And I remember, like, I used to go to reserve team games. Reserve team games used to be played sometimes at Griffin Park, uh, Brentford's mm-hmm. old ground, which was around the corner from where I used to live in Ealing. And I remember going there and seeing Brendan Rogers uh, as the manager up against Stoke one really wet evening. I remember, always remember that game and seeing some of the youngsters in that team and knowing that we had a good crop of youngsters coming through and there was talk about FA Youth Cups and stuff like this. And seeing that build then throughout the years and being at the bridge for some of the finals and semi-finals, but still we hadn't kind of really got players to settle into the first team, whether that was because they weren't given the opportunity and that was the case a lot of the time, whether sometimes the players didn't take the opportunity they were given to. Um, and it's just, it's so refreshing now to see, you know, Reese and Mason and Tammy uh, come through and and know that there are others there now as well, like Callum, you know, and and my my real thought is just I'm hoping they take the next step because they're at the step now where they're pretty much essentially first-team regulars. But as Chelsea fans and as Chelsea, and I'm sure they would uh, be quite happy to say as well, they won't be happy with that. They want to be Chelsea's best players in the Premier League, you know, and create. I, I, I think what the club are trying to do is create a dynasty now going forward. I think we're trying to put the foundations in, having the likes, you know, we saw this in almost what I like to call the first dynasty with Frank, with John, with Petr Cech, uh, and the players who were around that. They were the foundation, they were the building blocks for that success of the Premier League success all the way through to 2012 with DDA as well. Um, and now it's come around, right, we needed to reset after the past few years of kind of being up and down a bit. And these guys, Mason and Tammy and Reese and hopefully Callum, could be the building blocks for the next one. They're, they'll be the spine, the one that, you know, when new players come in, they're the ones that are, are looking after new players, the foreign players who are coming in to kind of bed them in, to tell them this is what Chelsea's about, this is our our you know our ethics what we believe in the hearts the passion of the club um so it is really exciting to see them now because you know two years ago we were hoping they were going to get a chance now you know mason's probably one of the first teams names on the team sheet tammy is you know loads of articles today about him being was the first of 20 something goals or something you know ages yeah. comparing to diego cost and all this sort of stuff um, and Reese just looks like he's going to be in that position for years to come. You know, he's managed to put somebody, he's managed to put the club captain out of the team at such a young age, which is, you know, and there is so much more to come from all of them. Callum has so much more. To, you know, he got a massive setback with that injury. Um, and, you know, the, the forgotten man we nearly forget about at times, who to me is has got it all. And I know somebody who played with him very well um, at Crystal Palace. Ruben Loftus Cheek and said Ruben has everything in the you know in the tool chest to be a world class player. But again, I just want I want Ruben to grasp it because sometimes you you see Ruben drifting in and out of games and it's like right, 
first of all, he probably needs the right system to play in. He needs a consistent run. You know, when he was at Palace that year with Wilfred Zaha, the two of them, I remember seeing the two of them play Liverpool, and they just, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Liverpool. It was the last day of the season or something. They destroyed them. Free-flowing, fast-moving football. And what are we playing at the moment when we attack? Free-flowing football. So I'd love to see Ruben come back. I, I think it'd be great to see him. And then we talk about the next crop as well. But, you know, let's let's just keep it tonight. I could just keep going on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to highlight um, the performance this season. And, you know, we saw it on show last night of, of one particular player, uh, Tammy Abraham, because I actually wrote a, a thread on him on Twitter this morning that um, that has done quite well, just saying how cool it is to see him adapt this season with the arrival of these three, four big money attacking signings. You know, you thought, okay, Tammy Abraham, maybe he's not going to play much. Even Olivier Giroud has kept him out of the team at times. And I just love to see the way he's adapted. He's completely changed his game. He, he's more of a point centre. He's still getting goals, but he's he's linking play. Last night, both of his two goals, they were kind of... They were Tammy Abraham goals in the way that you would expect, having seen him over the years in one-touch finishes, both of them. But it, they weren't just poachers' goals because he actually instigated the, the moves, uh, you know, five or six passes before in the build-up of both of those goals linking defence to attack, bringing the team up the pitch um, and, and then finishing them off. But I think aside from that, he's doing so much more this season in, in terms of linking the play together. And he's just evolving into this player that all the the top level big money signings like Ziyech, um, Havertz, Werner, Pulisic even, he's the player that they want to play off. They want to fire passes into him to receive to receive the ball back. And it's just it's just great to see. It is. I am um, Tammy. I have an interesting story actually about Tammy. I came across Tammy. I'd heard about him and seen clips of him play for the youth team, and I was sent up to do the FA Youth Cup. I think it was the quarterfinal up at St James's Park, and I'm pretty sure he was in the team with Dom Solanke and Izzy Brown that night. Mm. But I think he was a year younger, and. Um, it was a really good game and Chelsea looked class apart, possibly went to extra time. I can't remember. I'm getting old. The memory's getting a bit dodgy. <laughs> but I remember talking to Tammy afterwards. He was, um, we, we interviewed him post-match and we were asked to wait for a few minutes because the camera wasn't ready. So I was chatting to him and I said, so how are you getting on? You know, and he was like, oh, you know, I think it was his first year at FA youth, youth Cup level. I think that's what it was. And he was like, oh, you know, I, I just, I still have to pinch myself every day. And I was like, what do you mean? Kind of, you know, it's like, oh, he said, you know, I'm, I'm up now training with first squad, first team squad. And, you know, Didier's there. Didier Drogba is showing me things. And he said, you know, 18 months ago, I think, I think Tommy came for, was it Charlton? Um, or somewhere like that. I, and it was basically, he was just kind of going, you know, when I go home, I had to wake myself up in the morning and go, yeah, I'm going training with Didier Drogba today. This is weird. This is just, you know, mind-blowing. And he said, I'm just so thankful every day I'm getting these opportunities. And then I remember seeing him play when he was young and chatting to somebody about him. And we were both kind of of the idea that, you know, even still now that Didier, when he came to Chelsea first, he was a bit lean. He was a bit raw. He was definitely the unfinished product. And what I want to see from Tammy is Tammy to go 
to that next level. Tammy, I want to see scoring 25, 30 goals a season. Um, for me, he's not there yet, but that's the next evolution. And I think with confidence, with game time, there's still some refinements in his game to make. Um, you know, uh, I think he's still growing physically as well. Because remember when he was young, he was really scrawny and kind of, he was really fast. He was big and he was lanky and awkward. I was kind of like, geez, if he puts a few pounds on, he's, he's really going to be a problem for defenders. And he has done a little bit of that. So, yeah, I think for Tammy, it's nice to see his overall game play. I think the fact he's in a good team now playing in the Premier League, whereas before he was at the Championship, then he was at the lower end of the Premier League. Now he's, you know, when he's scoring goals, his confidence is going to grow. And hopefully that will, will lead him to, as I said, going to the next level. So we can talk about, you know, for England, is it Harry Kane or is it Tammy Abraham? That's the conversation I'm hoping that we're yeah. hearing, you know, we're having in 18 months. So you mentioned there interviewing younger players as you did those years back with Tammy Abraham. And you also mentioned a few minutes ago about the new crop of youngsters that we have coming through. So I wanted to ask you a bit about them. On, on the Chelsea Sport on Twitter, you've interacted with a few of our tweets a few times about guys like Jude Sunsot Bell, Lewis Bates. Um, we sometimes post GIFs of, of the goals that they score in, in under-23 or under-18 matches. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to ask you which one, which of those players you're most impressed by. Have you spoken to any of them and, and your thoughts on, on the new crops coming through? No, unfortunately, I haven't spoken to any of them because I've been a little bit out of the loop thanks to COVID. Mm, I've been able to yeah. be in the UK. Um, but, you know, I've always kind of um, just kept, you know, said on the other podcast, get onto the fifth stand and start watching the under-23s play. You know, this is this is where this all came from. You know, Jody did such a good job with Joe Edwards in, over the past few years. And then other guys, Dermot Drummy, you know, God rest his soul beforehand and uh, A.D. Vyavash and all these people brought through these crops of players and did such a good job at the academy. And there's all, you know, there's so much staff that work there as well. Um, but looking at them now and just in recent weeks, the one that's really got me excited, which is, is mad to say is, you know, full back is Tino Liveramento. Um, oh. Seeing him play against Spurs last week, uh, you know, I've rarely seen such a, a grown-up performance by someone who does not look grown-up at all. Uh, <laughs> you know, di no disrespect, you know, and, and you don't want to be grown-up, you know, stay, stay your age, it's great. <laughs> but his, his, his performances are so well-rounded and his composure on the ball and knowing to make the right decision for some of the moves that you saw in that game is beyond his years. You know, you would expect to see Sayers Pilaquesa do that because he has the composure, the nerves, the knowledge, the experience of being in that position a million times. I think it was for the third goal. Uh, was it Miles Pert got the third goal against Spurs, yeah. the winner? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Tino was on the run for that, on the right wing. That was for, for Marcel Lewis's goal, the one where he cut it back. Yeah. Sorry, that's right. Um, and it was just... You know, he won the ball and then I thought, no, he's going to go himself. And then he managed to stop it, turn around and play it back. It was so cool, calm and collected. I was like, wow. Now, the thing that's interesting then for him to continue on that conversation is, right, Reese, hopefully isn't on the sidelines too long. 
But now that's that's what the U team look for. Now there is a position where possibly is there a gap in there for maybe a week or two? Do you bring him into the squad to get him, you know, used to it, to see what it's like to be on a bench? We have the expanded benches now, the expanded substitute panels. There are other options maybe at right back. Obviously, you know, if Reese is out, Caesar will play there. Tony, I think, has played there once or twice. Kurt might have played there once or twice, but they're not really, you know, what we would call right backs. So it'll be interesting to see if Tino um, catches the eye. And thankfully, you know, we've nobody better than Joe and Jody and Frank yeah. as well to a point to be able to judge when a youth player is ready to make that step to the next level. So, yeah, Tino Liveramento is, is very, you know, he's definitely on my radar going forward. Oh, yeah, definitely. Something you mentioned just at the start of of that um, answer was about getting onto the fifth stand and and watching these under-23s games. And I just wanted to ask you, as part of, I guess, Chelsea's sort of media team, this broadcasting... Well, sorry, is that not what I should call you? Well, I'm freelance, so yeah. yeah. No, I know. (laughs) Hopefully they're happy with it. I'm giving them plenty of promotion, so I'm sure they are. (laughs) No, you know, I I understand. Um... But, you know, as, as I guess, a part of that, um, that group or a contributor anyway, um, the broadcasting of, of these under-23 games is, is something that has only started to be done recently, last few years. Um, and I think also last week, one of the games was broadcast for the first time live on YouTube, which meant that you could go and watch it back at any given time. So I wanted to ask you if you know of anything from the club that that's sort of initiative an initiative that they're looking to push or you know is that just in following with what's going on around the rest of the footballing world to be honest with you i don't know but mm-hmm. from my point of view i said it years ago that we should start showing more more to me more you know the more that is out there the more chelsea fans will watch um you know chelsea tv changed what, 18 months ago from obviously the channel to kind of more the app-based stuff. Um, You know, look, the one thing against it is obviously showing a match is expensive. You know, getting a broadcast crew down there is expensive. Um, But, you know, to me, in my mind, I think football fans can't really get enough. Um, And I would like to see more PL2 games broadcast. I think... There is the opportunity for it there. I've always been a big fan of doing it. In Premier League, we started to do some. It never seemed to take off for whatever reason. I don't know. But, you know, I know as a fan of a Chelsea fan, as I said, when I moved to England, one of the first things I did was go and watch the reserves. It was like, a, and that, I know this sounds really sad, but to me, that was like a dream. I'm living on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. I can go and watch the reserves. And I can go and see some of these younger players. And again, as a journalist, it added to my knowledge that, so, you know, when I don't know somebody like uh, Miroslav Stock came into the side for a few games, I knew who he was, and they were like, "Oh, he's well. I was like, "Oh, he's this tricky little small winger, you know, from Slovakia." Or, you know, I, I knew stuff, so that kind of aided my work. But it was it was kind of just I don't, I don't look at it as work. That's what I'd be doing anyway. Um, and I think what's going to happen is how, I would like to think you know you could kind of look at something like America, the way America went with NFL. There was such an appetite for it. Then all of a sudden, college games became you know, the next best thing, or some would, some would say it's actually better than the NFL. Uh, so, you know, it'd, it'd be great to see 
PL2 shown regularly uh, on a channel. We've seen the, the women's game take off, you know, five, six, seven years ago, there was no appetite for it. And I kind of said, you know, I think, I think Chelsea fans would watch it. And I, I watched some of the women's games as well. Some of them, you know, we've got world-class players in the women's team, uh, world-class manager. So, yeah, it'd be great. Look, if the budgets are there and stuff, hopefully it's something that will take off and we'll be able to see, see more, more of the young lads. And then the other thing too, as well, you get is, I love hearing about is, is seeing how the, how the guys on loan are, you know, seeing how they're yeah. getting on. And we look at somebody like Amanda Brogia or, uh, you know, uh, who else on loan, Terku, Um, you know, there's the whole host. Now I know that's going to change as well next year with UEFA for changing their rules on loans. So that'll be a bit different. And it'll be interesting to see as well what the club do with that then when it comes to players. Um, I think the rules aren't set to affect Chelsea that much. I haven't read into it deeply, but I think um, because, you know, Chelsea are are a big club and it's all the loans are to various different leagues, I think the rules won't affect it that much from what I've read. Yeah, well, look, it's going to be interesting going forward because, you know, people always have a go with Chelsea for having all these players out on loan. To me, it's like, well, I don't see what the problem is with it in a way. <laughs> I think it's actually a very good thing to do. Um, and I can understand from a business point of view why it's done too. Um, the players are, are getting benefits. It's good for English players to go out to different leagues. I think we've seen that now in the last two years. A lot more English players are going to Germany and ending up in Spain and all this sort of stuff, which is great for the, you know, the English game. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where, where that does lead up and see if, if changes are made. And then, obviously, we have Brexit as well, which is mm. going to screw up a lot of things. So, um, yeah. it's, you know, that, 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 that's going to affect the game in, in different ways. Yeah, that's, that's really true. I think players like Brian Fiabema, who we have in the under-23s, maybe we won't be able to sign these type of players in the future. And I also just wanted to say that that sounds, what at least it sounds very similar to what me and Orlando get. We, we get a lot of, oh, why do you care for the 23 so much? Why do you care for the kids, etc.? My friends say all the time, why are you just watching some kids play football? But I'm just like, I want to see how they do. Uh, in three years' time, they're going to, well, some of them are going to be playing for the first team. It's just interesting to see how they develop. Um, but yeah, moving back to the first team I want to talk about a bit about the signings um, yeah. so just wanted to go through the ones who we signed so for example Timo Werner he's he's on a bit of a rough patch in the moment yet he's still getting chances and for me that's the positive he's going to score goals eventually had a bit of a rough start but he's still playing all right he obviously uh, didn't start against Aston Villa Thiago Silva Thiago Silva sorry Mendy and Chilwell they've all slotted into the team really well just what do you think of each one and yeah especially Werner I guess is the main talking point Timo for me is absolutely superb and I'm not saying I don't care he isn't scoring goals but you know I said this the other day his work rate for me is just immense the guy never stops running and if it's the 89th minute he still seems to have that almost like do you remember on a computer game where you used to like press the special button which would give the player like <laughs> yeah. a boost? He seems to have yeah. that all the time and he's just gone like it's 89 minutes and he's bloody going. But look, with Timo, um, any footballer will tell you that you go through periods and you have days where no matter what you do, whether you're tired or whether you're up for the game, whether you're uh, fully fit whether you're maybe carrying a slight niggle or anything like that 
or whether there's nothing wrong at all, some days, no matter what you do, it's just not going your way. And that was kind of him last night when we look at him scoring goals. It just wasn't going to happen. He could have had an open goal and missed it from two yards. That was just a, And those are the sort of nights, you know, as you, as you learn throughout your career, you have to be able to kind of put into perspective and go, right, I take that, done, dusted, match is done, move on. And you don't think about it the next time. Um, that's what some of the best sports stars in the world are, are, are able to do. When they make a mistake, when they have a bad day, they can get rid of it as quickly and it doesn't affect them moving forward. Um, Timo, I think is, I would like to think is quite like that. Um, I think he's got a quite a strong character. Uh, you know, his stats this year for goals and assists have been very good for a player who's only arrived in the Premier League. Um, he's still a lot of growing to do, a lot of evolving into the full, you know, fully grown um, full force that Timo Werner will be. And I've no real issue with him. You know, we're scoring goals all around the team. I don't need him to score a goal personally as a manager against West Ham. Yeah, it'll be good for his confidence. But he scored goals already. He's going to have more chances to play. I said before, I would like to see him just try down the centre. I think he has been played there once or twice this season. Just as another option. So teams don't become, oh, is it Tammy or is it Olivier? What's Tammy today? It's Olivier today. Because I think with his pace, it's frightening. Um, you know, it, it is truly frightening. As a defender, I would be, I would enjoy playing against Tammy and Olivier for the challenge it presents because you can get up close to them, you can mark them or whatever. Timo, I would not enjoy playing against because to me, he would just be, oh my God, he's running at me again. You know, if he flicks it, it looks as if he flicks the ball past anybody. He has anybody in a sprint. I saw a stat the other day that said, uh, Tarek Lamptey is the fastest player in the Premier League. He's he's had the fastest speed recorded this year, 30-something. Doesn't that surprise know, me? I'd love to know what Timo's stat is. I must have a look mm. and try and see if I can find that. But I'd say he's up there because he just seems to go. He has this little quick feet mo- movement. So I think he's been immense. Um, and I, I think he's only going to get better. Uh, and I keep saying the players that we side, apart from Thiago and Mendy, 18 months and we're going to see the best of them. Kai uh, has had, I think Kai was coming good and then got COVID and none of us can, unless you've had COVID, can say what that takes out of you. I read an article today about the two boys up at Newcastle, uh, Maxim and Lachelle's and, you know, it's really affecting them and I could imagine it really sapping your energy and your stamina. So, look, I think... As well, I've said before, the Kai's position, you know, a lot of comparisons were made to him and Balak. And I think that that position, that kind of what Frank wants him to do is one of those positions that you get better with as you get older. You know, if you maybe look at Timo's position, maybe you don't get better as you get older because your speed maybe comes back a little bit as you get older. But but I think with Kai's position, I think the more he, he plays it, the more he gets used to it. I think he's just going to become more intelligent, more clever player. I can see with some of the passes and the moves he makes, you know, that's already there. So I think he's going to be an absolute handful as a midfielder. Thiago has been incredible, better than I thought. I was a little bit cautious when we signed him because of his age and because he came from the French League. And I thought, right, have we really got it? that he's going to be able to adapt to the pace and the power of the Premier League. 
and physicality because, you know, he's not used to that. We saw that when we signed Andrei Shevchenko all those years ago. Andrei was an absolutely incredible player, but he was that half second behind because Serie A has played a, a different pace. And unfortunately, we bought him maybe 12 months too late that he couldn't adapt. Thiago has been completely the opposite. Now, obviously a different position um, and he has time and space. And I've seen one of the most pleasing aspects for that signing has been the impact he's had on Kurt Zuma. Because I said to the guys the other night, one of my problems has always been with Kurt. His technical ability, I think, has always been in question. Never mind his pace, his power, his athleticism, his heading, uh, has always been very, very good. Um, sometimes his positioning and his technique for me have not been what's needed. He's gone out on loan. He's been under several managers. It hasn't improved. He's got to the age where he now should be staking a claim and should be first team. And he hadn't been. So I was kind of wondering, oh, Thiago's come in and it's almost like he's the perfect teacher. Kurt is doing a lot more things right. Still making the odd little mistake, as we all do, but I think he's grown as a player. So I think the effect Kurt or Thiago's had on Kurt has been superb. Uh, ben, just uh, a little bit like Dave, he just seems to get his job done. No nonsense. Doesn't look for any kind of big headlines, even when he scores, uh, which has been another thing to note as well. The goals at the back line have produced this year. Yeah. Um, I think he's been excellent. Absolutely excellent. And we did miss that output on the left-hand side yesterday when he went off. I think Emerson is a, is a decent deputy. I think Emerson's had a bit of a tough ride, never had a real good run of games. So it'll be interesting to see if he has to you know, step in for a few games to see how he gets on. Uh, who else are we talking about? Timo Kai. Um, Mendy is the last one. Mendy. I think he started off very well. I didn't know a huge amount about him. Uh, I'd seen him on a couple of occasions. Did I think he was the ideal replacement for Kepa? Not really. Um, but we needed something. Uh, and sometimes it was down to, it, it looks to me as if Kappa's confidence was just completely shot. Um, and we needed somebody in to give Kappa a break to rebuild his confidence. We, we must remember about Kappa, he's a young goalkeeper. Goalkeepers don't tend to come to, you know, their prime until 30 plus. So he needed to step out of the limelight. We got Mendy in. The defence seemed to click. He seemed to be a part of that. The past couple of games, he's made some rash errors, which I was really surprised at, which he didn't need to make. Whether that was overconfidence or just genuine mistakes, fine. And I have to say, last night, I saw nerves in him. I could see some of the things he was doing. There was nerves. But as we got through the game and we held that clean sheet, the confidence came back. So looks to me like he's a bit of a confidence goalkeeper too. And listen, who am I to you know, say that the goalkeeper Petr Cech recommended us to buy is not good enough. <laughs> he's good enough. Petr Cech says he's good enough. He's good enough. So, yeah. look, worst comes to worst. Who have we got in the background now? So, yeah. um, to me, a goalkeeper who retired far too young, um, but uh, obviously had things, the other things he wanted to achieve. So, listen, overall, I think our our, um, our transfer business has been was superb in the summer. 
So with that in mind, obviously there's been quite a lot of money spent over the last window or two. Um, and, you know, maybe there's still more in the bank, but it's a question of what does that money go on? What positions, any particular players, obviously Declan Rice, I guess, is the main one that has been um, spoken about uh, widely in the media. But maybe this upcoming January window, it might be, come a bit too early not sure if West Ham are willing to let him go but I wonder if you think there, there's any other positions that perhaps need strengthening um, well what I think really needs to be done is a bit of spring cleaning yeah. um, I think there's a few players yeah. in the squad that don't want to be there I think there's a few players in the squad when I say don't want to be there, I think that's a bit harsh because they've all, most of them there, you know, they've all done their, a good few of them have done their time with Chelsea and all been committed. Um, but it's like anything in life. Sometimes there's just time to move on for, for a new adventure for some of them. Um, so I think I'd like to see the squad maybe just, when I say trimmed a bit, right, let's go, let's, let's, let's have frank discussions with some of these players and go, right, you know, uh, and some of them are ages where they'll want to be playing. Like the likes of Marcus Alonso, I'm sure, isn't very happy not being involved hardly at all. Um, so what's his future? Antonio Rudiger, you know, I had really big hopes for him when he signed on after his first season. He went backwards a little bit last year. Um, but to me, there's still a lot of potential there. Uh, and to be honest with you, I would have thought he would have been first choice centre-back with Thiago. Um, things have obviously gone on there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in that situation. Uh, obviously Emerson is another one so you know if Emerson and Marcus were to go does that mean we need a, a more cover at left back but then we look to the U team and go right where have we got coming in any particular position if we are going to sell somebody um, so Andreas Christensen is another one there Fakayo Tomori is another one there that we've been looking at uh, you know we've players in the wings like Mark Gurhi and stuff who uh, you know, may come in. We we also have, obviously on loan Malang Sar and the young kid we signed from Barcelona who are centre-backs who are in the waiting. So, I don't think a huge amount will happen in January. I think we may see a player leave too. We may see a few grant loan. And then in the summer, I think we'll get a bit of tidying up in the squad. January is never a time to buy big players. Um, yeah. I think West Ham will look at it and see where they are in the league. Um, you know, I think they'll want to consolidate their position and West Ham would love a top 10 finish. Now, does Declan Rice be the difference between them getting that and not? And no, they don't want to be in another relegation battle. Um, but then again, it depends on, you know, what I heard, whether it's true or not that Declan Rice has changed his agent. His agent is now his dad. Um, we know he obviously has very close links with Chelsea. I can see that move happening at some stage. And it'd be really interesting. And I know it's not going to be talked about or said before it happens. If it does happen, obviously. But where Frank sees him. You know, Frank is, is the perfect man to judge what Declan Rice should be. Uh, is he a midfielder or does he see him as a centre-back? So it'll be really interesting to see where, where that comes up. Elsewhere, position-wise, again, January, I don't think we need a huge amount. I think we work with what we have. 
Um, and I think we give chances to the players. Uh, you know, we we have that that, that those kind of front three players of, you know, Christian, Hakim, uh, Callum Hudson Odoi. Uh, uh, obviously, Timo's kind of in that as well. Mason. We have all those players that can kind of rotate in those positions in different ways, different tactics. And I don't really want to see them sitting on the bench for a long time. I want to see Callum given some game time because I want to see if Callum is able to get back to the levels he was reaching when he was our standout player in the team. You know, for it to go back to Sarri, it was that stage where it was Callum. Why isn't he mm. playing week in, week out? And oh my God, Bayern Munich wants him. He's going to go to Bayern Munich. And then we, you know, we, we, we hold on to him. So it's a big, big season for Callum. So I don't think we need anything in that half. I think we're scoring enough goals. I don't think Olivier is going to go. I think Olivier has the, the character in front of him of being included in that French squad for the Euros next summer. That's plenty of motivation for him. And I think himself and Tommy will be working that position for most of the season. So we don't need that in the front. Midfield, we have Angolo, We have Billy, again, who needs game time. Uh, Kovacic, Jorginho, I think long-term. That could be one that maybe moves on next summer. Um, again, fullbacks. No, so I, I don't think we need a huge amount. Um, I said it before as well. Like the, the only player who, to me, I would break the bank for would be Erling Haaland. You know, he's just, mm. he is on that next level of striker already that you do, you come upon once in a lifetime. Um, so if all of a sudden and things at Borussia Dortmund are not good because they've just sacked their manager, now he's only just arrived at Dortmund. Dortmund aren't the sort of club to let a player like that go that quickly. They will let a player go. Um, and again, you know, I think his agent is Mino Raiola. So that's an interesting one. That could be a very, very interesting one. But then again, I said, look, you have to balance your squad and you have to have a long-term plan of where you're going to move your chess pieces around. And Olivier Giroud is one who may decide in the summer. No, but like I'm sure he loves living in London. He's been here long enough. Maybe he wants to go and retire in France. Maybe he wants to go home to his boyhood club. Who knows? Um, but Haaland, to me, would be the perfect replacement in there if that was to happen. So apart from that, no, I, I think we're good. Let's not rock things too much. Let's keep growing as we are progressing as we are and we're going in the right direction yeah uh, I pretty much agree I think uh, Haaland signing almost reminds you of the Havertz one as in Havertz we don't we didn't desperately need him but he's a player you don't miss out on because he's just that good and that's sort of the vibe you're getting with Haaland the other thing though with Haaland is he is a couple of steps ahead of Kai Mm. Erling is a freakish talent yeah Yeah. Er, Er, you know Erling to me is the the next Ronaldo Messi you know, th- those two are on their way down of their careers. And we're now looking to who is who is going to be the one who wins World Player of the Year repeatedly. Kylian Mbappe is up there. Neymar is now even 30, I think, isn't he? So, you know, he's <laughs> pushing on a bit. So Erling, to me, uh, was he 20, 20, 21, something like that? You know. 21, I think. Yeah. He is all, I, he's not the finished article. But the level he's at at the minute is not by fluke. It's only going to increase and it's freakish. So, you know, players like that that come along, as I said, the Ronaldos, the Messi's, the Ronaldinho's, the Rivaldo's, uh, these incredible players are, are just, you get an opportunity to sign them, get in and get them. But we'll see. 
Yeah, OK. Let's move on to the last section of the podcast. Uh, this weekend, we've got Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal away, I think. Um, and, well, as, we, as we're doing this podcast, they're currently 1-1 against Man City uh, in the Carabao Cup. Um, but their Premier League uh, run is not going great. What are they, 15th, something like that? It's really reminding of Chelsea's 15-16 season. I just want to know, what, what, what do you think's going on there? Like, what is going so wrong? Um, quite frankly, all the players aren't pulling in the same direction. Um, some players aren't happy. Whatever's happened over the summer has gone down like a bomb because they seem to be quite a united team in the cup final. It's, it's not right now. Um, and they're lacking confidence. They're on a run, which they're, you know, the players are going out into that pitch expecting to lose every time they step out there now. That's the sort of run they're in in the Premier League. They've been a completely different side. I saw them. I was actually. I was wait for this. I was at a football match <laughs> the week before last. Uh, they were in Dublin to play Dundalk in the Europa League, and um, oh yeah, you can't really judge them on that because now, in fairness, there was a lot of when I say first team players in the in the starting eleven. There were you know recognizable names like Mustafi. Um, I can't remember who else played, but. You know, Emil Rose Smith was there. There, there. It wasn't like, oh, this is the under 18s of Arsenal. There was a lot of squad players there. But still, quality, you know, senior internationals. Um, so I just think when it comes to Arsenal, get out there and hit them hard in the first 20 minutes. If they go behind, their heads will drop. They already dropped tonight. Now they're playing Man City. City are a bit of a, a weird kettle of fish at the moment. But, again, we should hopefully feed off the bounce from last night against West Ham. Take that. Uh, I think Frank and Jody will have studied. They'll be watching this game every second of it tonight to see how to pick holes in Arsenal. And we can all, I can already see, just from watching Arsenal here now, the way they're lining up. Like, they are, I can see the players on edge just little signs you get from seeing the players. And they, they just look petrified of playing Man City. And we want to go into that game, you know, in the first five or ten minutes and make them petrified of us, which I'm sure they probably will be. Um, so I really, I, I, would, I would hope that we can, you know, take three points off on Arsenal because it's a game that we need to win. Um, because I think, you know, they're at such a low that uh, they're there for the taking. I just have to mention, Willian hasn't scored a goal for Arsenal yet. <laughs> so you know what's going to happen. No, I'm joking. Hopefully. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the narrative doesn't pan out that way. But in terms of, um, well, we can't really predict how, how they're going to set up because I think we can all say fairly enough that we, we don't follow Arsenal that extensively. But in terms of our setup... Um, both fullbacks likely to be missing, well, first choice fullbacks in in Chilwell and and Rhys James. Um, so how do we line up? Does Havertz come back in after being, well, I don't know if he was rested or dropped, kind of halfway in between against West Ham. Um, do we continue with Timo Werner on the wing? Does maybe Hakim Ziyech get in if he's fit? What what's the lineup that we go with? Yeah, I, I think if Hakim is fully fit 
and there's no um, there's no doubt about him, then yes, I think he will start. Um, or he'll definitely be on the bench at the very least. Uh, Callum is back on the bench. Um, so I think we're Kai. I think I think the really good thing that I could just you know from knowing things and and seeing the way it's set up is I think Frank and Jody would have this kind of atmosphere of you're not being dropped. This is all about the rotation, and just because you're not in the team for two yeah. games doesn't mean you won't be in the team for four games in a row. Um, you know, back in the day, Jose had his untouchables of players who you know have to start. But I I, I always think when I look at you know the back four is going to pick itself for the weekend. Uh, goalkeeper will pick itself and then you'll have N'Golo who will be in there who's a fixture of the t- any you know sane manager who has him in a squad will put him in the team straight away um, and it'll be interesting then because of our run of games you know w- we look as you know we have Aston Villa at home and then Man City at home you know within the next week so Mason it's going to need a rest, I think, over those three games. When does Mason have a rest? Uh, I said Hakim to come back in. Hopefully be fully honest. Uh, Christian Pulisic. Christian, for me, is now at that fine line of just about, I think, to redevelop and gain back all the time he missed. I think we saw bits of it last night where his touch just wasn't there. But it's almost there. So... You know, like I think people forget if we go back to was the FA Cup semi final or even the FA Cup final, um, he was immense. His speed, his turn of pace was just superb. His yeah. creativity was hazard like. Um, so I think we've got plenty of options because I always feel for those players in kind of the, the forward areas, the attacking midfielders, as oh, you know, I've just scored and I've played well and now I'm dropped again. But it's like, no, it's, it's, it's almost to try and keep them in their right on it on their prime so when they when you know because we don't overuse them because we got to watch christian we got to watch hakeem if there are injuries there if they're a little bit injury prone um so for me uh i think kovacic will come back in beside kante um and then maybe hakeem mason uh, i'm sure timo will start again uh, and I could see Timo scoring against Arsenal. I'll put my neck on the line there. So, um, mm. yeah, I think I think Timo will break it this weekend uh, because I think that pace will terrify Arsenal. Um, and, yeah, I, th- I think it's a mix of all that. Uh, you know, it's, it's so hard to predict things because I think as fans we forget, you know, and this is what Frank was saying last week, and I think he said last night as well about judging players. It's, it's literally, you know, you're not picking them because you think he's potentially he's he's better than this player it's you're seeing them in training you know how many games is under their belts you want to try and keep each of them at peak condition all the time so you know if christian sits out a game it's not because you think oh well hakim is better and i think hakim's better you know it, it's because right well hakim is that little bit sharper let's rest christian christian will come back in um it's the gone are the days of oh you don't change a winning team it's just completely rubbish nowadays so uh yeah, I think it'll be pretty much, as I said, that Kovacic and Kante will pull the strings. Mason will be in there. Kai maybe gets another bit of a rest as well. Um, there's, no, there's, there's no point in trying to force 
Kai, you know, he came on, had a few minutes last night, had a couple of little runs. Let's just build up his confidence a little bit and give him a bit of extra time over COVID as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, especially with Kai, he was always going to take a while to adapt. You know, being such a young player, only 21, he's actually younger than Mason, which I'm not sure many Chelsea fans are aware of that. Um, He's very young, coming from a different league and and obviously catching coronavirus and and the long-term implications of that are not going to help him in that at all. But um, yeah, I'm going to stick my neck on the line here. In terms of score predictions, I can actually see a big win. And I, this may sound crazy. Of course, now I'm saying this, this is going to jinx it, whatever. If we win by a lot of goals, does Arteta get sacked? No, I don't think... Like, To be honest with you, I think Arsenal would be really stupid if they sack Arteta. No, I agree. I'm not saying they should. Yeah. I'm saying, does it happen? No, I don't think yeah. so. Like... You know, there's this talk I saw today about Arsenal players will take massive pickets if they're relegated. Let's be honest, Arsenal aren't going to get relegated. No. Okay, this come back to haunt me, but I, I really don't think so. There's too much quality in the squad. And maybe, you know, we're talking about January and different things like this, just seeing uh, Martinelli get in there with... I hope that was his shin pad. Um, you know... Uh, there's too much quality in that squad for them. Now, you can always say, you know doesn't mean anything but I think they will maybe in January there, there could be a few comings and goings there because I think there's some players there who are not happy at all and a manager has to be given the backing and I think they've seen in Artessa a long-term project um, I think he's a different manager to Unai Emery uh, Emery just wasn't a right fit there I think Arteta is again he's a little bit like Frank he knows the, the fabric of the club after playing there so to me, uh, I, I would I would certainly go with them. Just see it out, uh, see what they do in January. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in that situation. But no, I don't I don't think he'll be sacked. Look, if they were to lose six one to us, okay, then then maybe you'd have to start asking questions. Um, but you know they're one one against City now at half time, and that's that's no fe- mean feat. So. Um, uh, we'll wait and see and obviously we don't want a manager who's not doing too great at club like Arsenal to be sacked anyway so <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully he will stay on but uh, I'm going to go with you I, I could see us winning something like 3-1 at the weekend um, which I'd be really happy with it'd be a great start to Christmas mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm going to say 3-0 I think we'll, we'll after two games of of conceding goals we've now kept our first clean sheet we tend to go on runs with these kind of things so i'm gonna say three nil same scoreline as against west ham Pari, your your prediction see i've been nervous for this fixture for about two weeks thinking we're going to be the team who's <laughs> going to become the embarrassment to the whole of england but i'm gonna i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with four nil chelsea which hopefully doesn't work well I'm gonna go. I'm feeling. I'm feeling a bit of six nil vibes um, from those years ago. I'm. I'm feeling four nil. All right. Four so nil we've all at gone. the Emirates. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That was Wenger's one thousandth game, wasn't it? The the six nil. I remember that well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So we've all gone with fairly big wins. Um, and you know the last <laughs> the last few games at Arsenal have all been two ones, two ones, two nils, mm. one nils, two ones. So yeah, you know they're not generally 
that far, but obviously this is a completely different year and um, what's going on there. Uh, I think they've only won one in 10 Premier League games, am I right? So, mm. yeah. it's And then in Europe, they've won six out of six, which is ridiculous. <laughs> well, I Football. guess you have to take into account caliber of team they're coming up against, to be fair. But, yeah. No, no, no slight on Dundalk. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, when one player on Arsenal's wages for the week is equal to the entire squad budget for the season, yeah. I think Dundalk did okay against them in fairness. No, I agree, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we're going to wrap up the pod there. Thanks, Path, for joining me. It was a good fun. Thank you, yeah, thank you. And of course, thanks so much, Will. It was great chatting to you. Really enjoyed it. Anytime, guys. Give me a shout. Will do. Yeah, that would be nice. So, yeah, that wraps it up. Um, all I have left to say is make sure to check us out on all our social media platforms at the Chelsea Sport on both Twitter and Instagram. And go check out our website as well for some really nice articles. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.